And so I realized, oh, is that how now I think about, I approach change? Like, it, is this, is there an excitement, a, a buzz that kind of, I mean, it always depends on what the kind of the change is, but um, I definitely was, as I was reading, was thinking about different points in my life where, oh yeah, that's how I reacted back then. This is how I reacted then. Yeah. Like over time, it kind of, it changes. Do you think that that's because you have these experiences with change and maybe you realize like, you know, when you were younger, it was like the end of the world. But Mm -hmm. now, of course, you see it wasn't the end of the world and everything was okay, and you met new friends. And obviously it was tough at the time, but I guess now you have the experience and the wherewithal to know that like that was okay, that everything turned out okay. Do you think that's why we kind of adapt to change better? Hey friends, it's Nicole and Kate, your girls from across the globe, Sydney, Australia, and Puerto Rico to be exact, and we're so excited to be sharing this time with you. I'm Kate. And I'm Nicole, and welcome back to another Candid Conversation with us. Each week, we bring you a new conversation about a topic that we can relate to. We share our own experiences and thoughts in the hopes that you'll realize that one, you're not alone, and two, that open and honest convos can lead to awesome discoveries, shifts in perspectives, and energy to move ahead with confidence. Because that's what real friends do. They provide love, support, and space for one another to share without judgment, speak without hesitation, and to learn from each other, even when we don't agree. And with that, let's dive in. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Kate. So great to be on the mic with you today. How are you? I am good for a Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Um, I mean, you're more than halfway to the weekend, so that's a, a win. <laughs> yes. Uh, and given the week so far, it's like I'm looking forward to having a bit of downtime this weekend. Yeah. Will you get downtime this weekend? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm planning. Oh, I've just cleared the, the calendar. As long as everything goes as planned, right? Which it kind of hasn't in the last right. 24-ish hours. Yes. Right? Yesterday was one of those days where there was a whole stack of events that went uh-huh. wrong. And it's like you realize, okay, I didn't plan for this. And it's such a crunch because we've got our trip coming up. And you realize mm-hmm. when there's no wiggle room, when there's no buffer, it's really hard when things go wrong. Yeah. And sometimes as much as you plan and prepare and everything, you still can't really predict, especially if it's, you know, some of these things are just outside of your control, so to right. speak. So yeah. yeah, being able to know that they're coming isn't really a, <laughs> a exactly. thing. Mm, exactly. So anyway, we survived. Yes. Um, yeah, you're kind of having a little bit of a day like that or no? Yeah, yeah, I had a little bit of a crunch day as well. Um, but this was all self-imposed because I had this open day. I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow morning early, early. I get picked up at 3.30 a.m. to go to PodFest in Orlando. I'm, I'm now, I don't think I've told you this, I'm now going to be on stage one, two, three, four, five times. <laughs> what? I thought you, really? 
You said you were giving two presentations. So two presentations. I got invited to be on a panel, so I said yes. Um, Then I got asked by a good friend of both of ours, actually, and past guest, Allison Melody. She's going to be speaking, and she she wants to do, like, lifetime examples because she's going to be talking about sponsorships. So she asked if I would come on stage and help her out with a little part of an example. So I said yes. How fun. Say hi to her. Yeah. So cool. You get to catch up with Allie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be so fun to hang out with her. And then also mutual friend Michael O'Neill asked if I would introduce him for his talk. So I'll be on stage introducing Michael. So look at you. few more stage appearances than I had originally planned on, but I'm very excited for all of them. So anyhow, just popped a few more things in my schedule today than maybe I was a little overambitious. So I'll be ready. Oh, you're a pro. You're going to handle those all with grace and Oh, thank you. So much fun, though, (laughs) that you get to hang out and see everyone. And oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Wouldn't it be amazing if you were coming to one of these days? We'll get to a podcast conference together. I know it's been a long time since we've been at one of those together. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. Putting it out Uh, there in the universe. Yes. Oh, well, I'm excited for our chat today, which is going to be another book discussion. Um, This is a book that you mentioned maybe a few weeks ago. I think you said that you had kind of revisited it over Christmas time because didn't you buy this book for your goddaughter? So over, yes, over New Year's, I went to stay with our friends and they have two daughters. One of them is my goddaughter and we gifted this book to her sister. We always take them books. Mm. Um, and Omar suggested this book, which I hadn't read at the time. And yeah, she's only 17. And after reading it, so we gifted this book. She read it in like a couple of afternoons. Then her dad read it the day after. And they were having these great conversations. I was like, I've got to read this book too. So I, I, I picked it up and I read it overnight, like, just before bed and finished it up in the morning. Um, And I was like, oh, this book is so good. It's such a great book. Mm. It really is. And as you can tell from the way Nicole is describing it, it's a super quick read. um, And we highly recommend it, which is why we're talking about it today. Drum roll, please. (laughs) The book is called Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson. Yeah. So uh, a super quick and brief overview of the book. And and Nicole, maybe you can help set the table a little bit with a description of the characters and a bit about the scene and the setting where the story takes place. Um, But just a super quick overview. The book focuses on dealing with change and how the more flexible we are and the more we're able to anticipate change, the better we can adapt and the more successful we will be, which... I think is such a relevant topic for so many of the conversations that we have here on the podcast and change is something that uh, we'll get into this later in the episode, but it has kind of been a topic that's come up a lot recently um, between John and I. So we'll get into that a a little bit, but can you help just give a little bit more detail on the book before we kind of dive in and start talking about it? Okay. So The book is, well, it's a fable for starters. So that gives you an indication of 
the style um, that it's written in. And I actually had to look this up. What's like the difference between a fable and a parable? Before I we... was just going to ask you, what, what does that mean? <laughs> okay. Well, I did the research. I, found, I looked up the definition. And so both a fable and a parable will teach a moral lesson or, you know, it's designed to t- a story to teach you a lesson. The difference is that a parable will have human characters and a fable normally has animals. Oh, okay. So if you think about like the ant and the grasshopper. Yeah. Fable. Tortoise and the hare. So this is a fable. The tortoise and the hare, exactly. And so um, it's funny because even when in your description, like people have described this as a change management book, which I think is like, oh, okay, that sounds really boring and hard. But um, it, it's, yeah. And so I just love the fact that it's like, yes, it is kind of, you know, a change management book, but at the same time, it's, a, it's told as a fable. So it's really easy, really simple. Um, but it's, again, just like the, you know, in the tradition of a fable, it's a really, really big lesson that we learn at the end. Mm. So quick uh, summary. There's four characters, two little mice and two little people. The two mice are called Sniff and Scurry. Uh, they have kind of simple brains with good instincts. Uh, Sniff, true to his name, sniffs out change early. And Scurry is the type of character who scurries into action quickly. Then there are the little people. So they're apparently like the size of the mice. But um, I don't know why I'm narrating this like it's a children's story. So <laughs> I feel no, like I I'm, like it because I think it's very much in tone with or in tune rather with like how the book reads. So it's perfect. <laughs> so kids, there are these two little people, the little people who are like humans because they've got a little bit more complex brains and, and you know, ideas about like what makes them happy and all of that. But um they are the size of the mice, so they can interact with the mice and the other characters. And their names are Hem and Haw. So Hem is the type of character who resists change and he likes to stay in his comfort zone. And Hem, I always think about Hem being like hemmed in. And Haw, H-A-W, he is the type of character who adapts and pushes through knowing that change is going to lead to something better. So we've got these four characters, Sniff, Scurry, Hem and Haw, and the setting is the maze. And the maze, I suppose, represents like our world. It could be a workplace mm-hmm. even as we learn, as we read the book. Um, and the book starts out, they're in the maze, but they're in Station C, which we learn Station C stands for the comfort zone, where all their cheese is that they come to greet every day but then one day they find that there's no more cheese and so (gasps) (laughs) I think this is why I left teaching I think I don't do a very good job (laughs) no this is good this is great right so when they find out there is no more cheese they each have their own reaction to this new problem and as we learn the, the maze where there are many doors in this maze represent all the opportunities that exist out there that's Mm. just a quick overview of the book i couldn't have done a better job that was very nice thank you very kind very kind and i also saw the maze too as like um well i'm sure we'll be digging into this as we get into our discussion but um one thing that became very uh relevant to kind of me reading this story and thinking like, hmm, which character am I like? And what does this all represent in my world and in my life? And what what am I going to be taking away from this? Like, I also saw that there were many different options and directions for them to go. And, 
you, you never really knew where they never really knew where each of those was going to lead because yeah. they could only see so far. Right. Like, yes. And that's just very relevant to how life plays out because you make a lot of decisions. You don't really know where it's going to lead you or you don't really know what the end goal um, or the like what that is going to look like. And so you take these chances and you weigh the opportunity and uh, but I might be getting ahead of myself. I just wanted to kind of add that to how I was looking at the maze. Mm, OK, got it. Got it. OK, so now that we have our foundation for this story. We know a little bit more about this book. Again, we highly encourage that you pick it up. It's, I think I, I think I read it over two days, maybe sat down for like an hour one day and then maybe like an hour another day was able to get through it. Um, I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a really good thinker. Like it brings up a lot of points that really made me kind of step back and be like, Hmm. So if we approach it from kind of that in mind, Nicole, what were kind of your initial reactions or what were you thinking as you were going through the book just about change in general? I think I was reflecting about the way I've dealt with change in life has changed and evolved. Like I have this idea of like when we realize there's a change that's happening, how, what's the knee-jerk reaction or what's the instinctual reaction? Because I do think people have, and I think this is why there are these four characters, they all have very different instinctual reactions to, oh, there's a big change that I've now realized is happening or going on right now. How do I react? And so I guess I was just thinking about when I was a kid, you know, change was really scary and I didn't like it. Um, I think back, you know, when I was in elementary school, primary school, and I had to move for the first time and leave all my friends. And I thought, well, this is horrible. This is terrible. How am I going to survive this? Um, mm. you know, and then, you know, fast forward, you know, years later when very similar situation, I, I realized that, you know, going from high school to university, I was actually moving to a new school with no friends. So very similar, but that time I felt excited mm-hmm. and, so I realized, oh, is that how now I think about, I approach change? Like, it, is this, is there an excitement, a, a buzz that kind of, I mean, it always depends on what the kind of the change is, but um, I definitely was, as I was reading, was thinking about different points in my life where, oh yeah, that's how I reacted back then. This is how I reacted then. Yeah. Like over time, it kind of, it changes. Do you think that that's because you have these experiences with change and maybe you realize like, you know, when you were younger, it was like the end of the world. But Mm -hmm. now, of course, you see it wasn't the end of the world and everything was okay, and you met new friends. And obviously it was tough at the time, but I guess now you have the experience and the wherewithal to know that like that was okay, that everything turned out okay. Do you think that's why we kind of adapt to change. Well, I was going to say, like you learn as you get older and wiser that you have adapted. I don't think you're conscious yeah. of the mo- in the moment that, oh, we're all going to adapt. And eventually we do adapt. And then the more times you experience change, you realize, okay, I did adapt to that new situation. But having said that, there's this funny thing that I feel it happens to us all the time. We don't actually realize when we are in our comfort zone or when change is happening and it kind of sometimes still catches you unawares Mm. like I feel like maybe an example of this would be with like aging parents it's like of course we should anticipate that 
they're going to get older and that things will change. Of course, we know this like intellectually, rationally, and yet still, yeah, you you don't intellectually say, okay, well, I am adapting to this change right now. This right. is fine. This is how the world works. So it still kind of catches us unawares. Especially when maybe you have the separation like I do from my parents. I, I see them like, you know, maybe every several months. And so that change is very apparent mm. when I do see them. Or like your mom and her health challenges, you know, that wasn't really something that you had anticipated so much. Yeah. Even though you see your mom all the time, that was still a big change that you know, you are continuing to adapt to now because, you know, it's different and it's evolving. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Really well, interesting. when I, after, um, my goddaughter's sister was, had finished reading it, oh, she was midway through. And so I asked her, I said, well, you know, what did the, and I hadn't read it yet, but you know, I'm trying to be the adult and saying, well, what did the takeaway so far? What have you learned so far? And she very sweetly, she's 17. She very sweetly said, you should anticipate change. You should expect change. It's something that's going to happen and you should be prepared for it. And I was like, right on. I was like, why? I don't think I got that lesson when I was 17. Like, I'm I was going to say, envious. how great is that? <laughs> I know. Wow. I'm so proud of it. But oh, it was- and thanks to you guys. I think that's such an incredible gift that you guys give them books and stuff. And books that are like, you know can give these types of lessons how great i know i mean they've got amazing parents but um that's why i think giving books is such a great gift because i I think about in my own time like when did i read my first personal development book Mm. when i was well into my 30s you know Mm -hmm. it's such a a transformative experience to to read that so like you were saying so adapting it's like if you can understand i guess early on that yeah change happens but then I think what, through the book, right, you understand change happens, but then it's like, how do you behave? Like, mm. how do you resist it? How do you react? How do you react? All of that. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, when I was just thinking about change in general, it brought up a lot for me. What I alluded to kind of in our intro is that there have been a few things probably over the last like year, I'd say, where John has kind of given me a hard time, like you're so resistant to change, like things are going to change and that like things are changing and you can't always be thinking, what are all the things that are wrong with this? Or what are all the ways that this can go wrong? And that's just so ingrained in like my knee jerk way of thinking about things when I hear about something like I felt this way about Bitcoin and NFTs and like this whole other world. I'm just like, no, this can't work. I I don't want to do Bitcoin. I don't want the like we have banks and credit cards and cash like <laughs> that worked for hundreds of yeah. years. Yeah. And you know, it's just like one of those things where I've noticed that I'm I wouldn't personally say that I resist change. I just think I'm a lot more cautious when new things are presented Mm. of like, okay, I want to make sure I want to go in that direction. Like I need to do my research. I need to think about the pros and the cons. Like I'm not just, uh, you know, I'm probably not scurry. I'm not like running after the thing without really thinking about it, (laughs) right? which there are pros and cons to that. But that's kind of like what was top of mind for me when I was thinking about change and 
my immediate reaction to that. And maybe John in that case is more like sniff, like he's sniffing out the the change that's on the horizon. Like sure, Bitcoin mm-hmm. and you know, NFTs and, you know, mm-hmm. Web3 and all that, they are the kind of potential big changes on the horizon. So what you're like the early adopter things. Yeah. And, you know, there's a good reason to think like, yeah, okay, maybe nothing will come of it like, you know, we saw recently, you know, the big crash in the crypto world and all of that. Right. So, but I think maybe his point is that, and the book's point too, is that always be on the lookout that change could happen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so then are you, which character then did you see yourself as? Cause I kind of, I, I kind of related to what you said about, I need to weigh things up. You know, I think we're so out of the, the hem and haw These, you know, we're thinking about things in a more complex way. We're analyzing the situation. Yeah. So I definitely, um, related more to the little people than I did to the mice. Um, <laughs> I don't really see myself as sniff or scurry. Um, and hem was just like, a little bit too, like you said, hemmed in. I don't think I'm that far to the other side. So I kind of ended up, especially as the story went on and you saw that Ha was able to at least consider what it would be like to adapt to the fact that this is a situation you're in, like you've got to do something. So at the by the end, I definitely think that my way of approaching change is closest to ha. What about you? Um, as always, I find it hard to just come down on one solid definitive answer, and I so I felt like there's a bit of a duality, and I saw myself in whore as well, in the sense of not being so rigid as as Hem was, being open to change, um, still being a little bit fearful because Ho is fearful and kind of recognizes mm-hmm. it's going to be hard when I venture out of Station C and I go into the maze. Um, so he's still got his thinking brain on. But I then identified with Scurry because I, f- I feel and I look back on my life in all the situations where I've made a big change. Once the decision is made, I can scurry into action pretty quickly. Mm, okay. So I'm a bit more layered there. That, that's my answer. <laughs> I'm yeah. Like I've got well, I duality. like that. No, I like that because I do. Uh, my impression of the way the fable was laid out is that you would potentially identify with more than one of those. And that mm. by the end that maybe you could consider what combination Or how could a combination be beneficial? Hmm. Because I do think that there's benefit to having doubts or maybe not doubts, but just like not jumping into something too soon. Well, they talk about like the, you know, that the fear that sometimes stops us can be help very helpful. Like we do need a little bit of a dose of fear. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we avoid dangerous situations and recklessness. But when you're like him who resists change to the point where he becomes malnourished because there's no more cheese in Station C and he's not willing to try new things. He's just willing for the situation. He's expecting that the situation around him will change and go back to the way it was um, without him doing anything. Then very stubborn, right? Like very much. And 
I think that something that stood out to me a lot is the way, and, and I don't know if this was an intention because they were the two tiny humans. Um, and, and so emotion plays into it a lot, Mm. but the thoughts and feelings that Ha was having about the fact that Hem wouldn't come out and wouldn't like explore with him. I found that really interesting. And I, I related and resonated with that a lot because I, I feel really strongly about this whole idea that like you can help someone to the extent that they want to be helped. And I think that that was a really plain and clear example of that is like, yeah. Yeah. That was such a, yes. So as he's learning, as he's, you know, writing all his little understandings and learnings on the wall, as he's going along, he does often, you know, he misses his friend. And because as he's changing, as he's experiencing this new world and the change, he realizes he's growing and he realizes that his friend is still stuck. And you so desperately want to help your friend. You want to help them Mm -hmm. get unstuck, but And he does. He tries to go back at one point with his little new bits of cheese that he found. And he says, hey, look, I found some other pieces of cheese out there. You know, there's more out there. And Hem's like, "Mm, but it's not the cheese that I like. And I don't want that cheese. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought that that was an interesting kind of take on abundance and like having a mindset of abundance that Hem was very much like, no, this is where the cheese is. This is where I get it. I'm not going anyplace else for it. And even though there wasn't any left, he just like refused to think that there wasn't going to be more there. Mm -hmm. Whereas all these other characters are like, no, we can go out and find uh, there's more out there. There's there's more to be found. There's more to have. Yeah, they're finding the camembert. They're finding the brie. They're finding all the different varieties of cheese out there. <laughs> I was really wanting a charcuterie board when I was reading I was, this book, by I the way. I was thinking that, actually. <laughs> I was like, Kate and I, we should revisit this book over a glass of wine and some cheese. A hundred percent. Our version can be, who moved my cheese and my wine? <laughs> Um, so Nicole, did you have any other, um, major takeaways? There was one very powerful question that I felt like I need to put this on a post-it note and stick it on my desk and remind myself of this question. Um, and the question is, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Mm. So this is when Hor is about to venture out into the, the maze and he's aware that he's, he's scared. Like he doesn't know that he's venturing out into the unknown, and so he's kind of umming and ahhing, like, oh, do I go out? And, you know, he's looking back at his friend. And then that question comes to mind. What would I do if I wasn't afraid? Mm. And I think that's a big one. That is such a powerful question. And I think that, you know, of course, we're talking about this in the context of the book and they're in a maze and they're looking for cheese. <laughs> but this is to kind of go back to the beginning this is kind of like a look at your life. How many times fear is actually the thing that is holding us back most of the time. Yeah. If you look back at all of the times we've been, we've been facing um, a change or we're resisting a change or we're uncomfortable with a change, even with the aging parents example, at the root of that is like you're afraid of, you know, confronting, you know, grief or confronting uh, some sort of loss. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's like a different take on like, what would you do if you weren't afraid? But I think looking back at all those situations, like, am I just really afraid of that new situation? And if I, if if fear was out of the question, would I just be more like scurry and just, you know, get to it? Hmm. I think it's a. I think it works in all of those situations because I've even had moments where I'm like, Hmm, I really want to have a conversation with like a friend about something, and you know, I'm kind of worried about that conversation because I don't really know how they're going to take it, and maybe yeah. it's a tough conversation. And I think that's a great thing to consider. It's like if you ask yourself, what would you do if you weren't afraid of? the interaction of what your friend might think or whatever it might be. Um, or, you know, even like, what if you weren't afraid to pitch a client and ask for $10,000 for your coaching package or whatever it might be, you know? Um, I I do think that it could be a really helpful question. And so in in every area of your life. Yes. Yeah. It's, oh, and I just thought, I suppose, um, sorry, really bad way to get into another takeaway. (laughs) I just realized no, it's okay. Like, I've got another takeaway now that's come to mind. It's like scattered, yeah. scattered mouse brain. No, what is it? What <laughs> scattered is mouse brain. Well, it kind of dawned on me this morning um, when I was rereading a couple of the pages. That I think the takeaway is, um, I don't remember how it was written, but when you change your beliefs, you change the actions that you take mm-hmm. and you change the way you behave. So it's like, Related to fear, like when we're afraid and we're kind of stuck in in, in the situation, we're imagining that what we're going to experience or the change that we're going to experience is, is, is maybe worse or bad than our current situation because we're seeing it from our current point of view. Like we're seeing the world as it is now and we're seeing, you know, we're acting, you know, the way we normally act, our normal reactions. But what Hoare comes to realize is that as soon as you start to experience change, you actually change your, who you are and you therefore you act differently. You start trying new things and then yeah. that change kind of begets new experiences and you realize, oh, it's actually not so bad and I'm actually a different person now and I'm not seeing the world as it was before and, the, and my reactions aren't the same as they were before. I'm a different person as a result of the change. That was like, yeah. And, and for the, and for the better too. Right. I mean, I think that that goes back to your example at the beginning of like, you know, when you moved, when you were really young, it was this whole thing. And then later on when you were going to college, like you were excited about that, your belief around that change changed because of your experiences and, and you know, how you had proven to yourself, I guess, for lack of a better description that, like the world didn't end. <laughs> yeah. And you start to, and then that excitement comes from like, oh, it's okay. Like mm-hmm. it's, I survived and I can, like, and this is actually, it could be, could be a, a positive change. Well, and I think that that realization too, that you are who you are because of those changes and those experiences. I think that that is a really great takeaway of think of all the lessons you've learned and all the things that you've overcome and the tough situations you've been through, like those have all made you stronger because of it. So thinking about change in that way, like, oh, this is going to help me grow. This is going to help me become more confident. This is going to help me meet new people. This is going to help me, you know, broaden my perspective. Um, Then you kind of can start to look at it in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. I always, um, 
um, I was just thinking about what John said to you about resisting change. And I thought about um, just recently when Omar and I were just, uh, we were brainstorming some new ideas uh, for the business and the visual came to me of, because there's a visual in, in the book where the two little mice, um, when they get to their little station, every time they get to station C, they remove their little running shoes and they tie the laces up and they they um, hang them around their necks. So they've got these little shoes. And the idea is that they can put the shoes back on really quickly and get moving again, right? Versus Hem and Haw who take off their shoes when they get to station C and they just, you know, hang up their suits and, and put their stuff away and aren't as quick to get moving again if they need to. And I always think about this little visual of the little mice with their little shoes around their neck. And um, so, when I, which I think is really adorable. Um, <laughs> and so when Omar and I were brainstorming and we were coming up against some challenges and, you know, trying these new ideas, I said, babe, we're in the maze. We've got our shoes on and we're running around the maze. <laughs> so when John tells you you're resist- resisting change, you say, uh-uh, I've got my shoes on and I'm running around the maze. Yeah. <laughs> or at the very least, I have my shoes around my neck. I didn't like put them away. Right. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's probably more accurate. <laughs> Oh, that's great. It does create a lot of like really strong visuals too that, yeah. I, I think like that's that. why, yeah, this book is pretty powerful. And as you know, when you talk to people who've read it, um, as simple as it is, it's, it's so easy to get, you know, these big ideas um, and to consume these big ideas because of the way it's written. So yeah, yeah. I think it's a, it's a great book. All right, friends. Well, as we close out today's book discussion on who moved my cheese, we hope that you've picked up a thing or two you can carry with you today and moving forward to give you that extra boost of confidence and support when you need it most. And friends, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you have a friend in mind who might also enjoy our chats, share the podcast with them too. Send them to canrelatepodcast.com or have them search Nicole and Kate Can Relate on their favorite podcast app. Until next time.